Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. We're so glad that you're here watching today because we've got another fantastic show with another fantastic guest, as always. Before we do that, a couple things I want you to know about. So, big day in the world of the Visual Lounge. We are actually, we want to announce, we're going to take the Visual Lounge and we're moving it to its own channel. The TechSmith channel is still going to exist with all the goodness with Andy and Aaron and all the great stuff that you can find there with product and tutorials and stuff like that. But now the Visual Lounge is going to be its own separate page channel on YouTube because we, we think it's gonna actually make it easier for the find the content for those people who want the longer content. So we're gonna drop the link throughout the show, we'll put it in the show notes, go out, subscribe, like, do all that good stuff there. For a little while, we're gonna be in this transition period where you can find it in both places. So don't worry, you're not gonna miss out if you're not sure where to look yet or you can't remember. We'll take our time here, but we wanna make sure that you know that and get that, that going and we'll make sure we can curate our content better there on that channel, allow us to do more playlists and all sorts of stuff. Now, if you got feedback about that or you wanna ask us questions or ask us about a show, make sure you email us or tell us on social media. You can email us at thevisuallounge at techsmith.com or find us anywhere on social and you can always tag at techsmith because those are our people. We're still all one big happy family. We're just trying to make it easier for everybody. So with that said, thank you for those who do email. I love getting questions, comments. Got, got a great question this week. Hopefully we'll find some time in the show to, not necessarily today, but we'll talk about the Stream Deck. I know I've been getting a lot of questions about that. Uh, so I see Peter's in the chat today. So with that said though, we got a great show. So let's get into it. Today's show, Mike Parkinson is a geek. That's a compliment coming for me. He is one of 36 Microsoft PowerPoint MVPs in the world. He's an internationally recognized communication and presentation expert, best-selling author, and professional trainer. Mike keynotes. He trains. He writes books. He's got a billion-dollar graphics, a trainer's guide to PowerPoint best practices for master presenters, and he builds tools, too. Oh, my gosh. He's got one called Build a Graphic at buildagraphic.com. He helps companies succeed while saving money, and time, two of my favorite things to have actually. He owns billion dollar graphics and is a partner at 24 hour company, a premier creative services firm. And so happy to have him on the show with us. Welcome to the Visual Lounge, Mike Parkinson. Thank you very much for having me here, Matt. Boy, that was a mouthful. I am not a big fan of people talking about me or hearing lengthy intros. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. Well, yeah, hopefully. Now we're gonna say something, Mike, before we get too far in. One of the things that we've we've been we've been we did test runs, we did all sorts of stuff, and you might notice that Mike's camera is freezing a little bit today. For anyone watching the show, we've we've done our technical tech tests, we've tried switching things, we've done everything we can. We've even emailed the company that does our streaming software, and we're just gonna roll with it because the show must go on. So that's out of the way. We'll probably remind people we apologize for the quality of the freezing, but it is what it is. So, Mike. You know, I, I agree with you. I hate hearing my own bio read to me about like, oh my gosh, because you always write stuff in a bio, you want it to sound good. So tell us a little bit about yourself that, how, what, what's established on your credibility? Because you've been doing stuff with graphics and images for a long time. Help us understand why why we should listen to you in, in a very humble way, of course. Oh gosh, uh, really my favorite introduction ever was Mike's a Geek and that's where it stopped. It boils down to the fact that I am a nerd. I absolutely sleep and, and dream and think and eat this stuff. So in everything in life, I don't know anything, like nothing. But when it comes to visual communication, I know a thing or two. So essentially it's been what I've been doing professionally for about 30 years. So I figured out what mistakes not to make. That's it in a nutshell. 
Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I love that, that you're eating and drinking and sleeping and thinking about this stuff all the time. I think there are definitely those of us who, in our fields, we, we do that sometimes when we're really passionate. So what was the starting point though? Because, and, and we wanna get into kind of the, the, you know, the nerdy stuff here, but I'm curious, like, how did you get there? Because I think a lot of people take a path and they end up in different places. So what led you to be, to know a thing or two about graphics and images? Uh, there were there were two uh, two uh, milestones. One was I really dug on drawing comic books, so I got into fine art. Went to Baltimore School for the Arts, learned a lot about fine art, and realized I didn't want to be a fine artist. <laughs> I was like, that's not a career path I want to take. And uh, I, I loved science, so I went to school for science and realized that's not a career path I want to take. So my second milestone. Or my second epiphany was that, uh, hey, I'm good at this art thing. I really have a passion for the science. What if I put them together? And that's mm. how I wound up exactly where I'm at now. That's awesome. Uh, well, I, I love that, that you were able to take the two pieces and, and bring them together. So that leads to a question right out of the gate for me, though, because we work with a lot of folks who are not talented, fine artists. They've not gone to art school, myself included, right? Uh, what It seems like when we talk about images, that's people's fear. Like, I don't know anything. I know nothing about this stuff. How can I, how can I ever get good at using these tools because I don't have a background in that space? And it seems like there's a conflict there. So how, what would you say to someone who's like, okay, peace out. I don't want anything to do with this because I don't have that kind of background. I can't do it. Fair enough. That is a fair concern to have. Uh, and folks, you know, I'm freezing right now. If I am freezing, just know that where Matt and I are, where are the technical hiccups? Yeah. Uh, please ride along. I know you can hear me. Just make fun of it when my face freezes in some weird position. That's okay. Exactly. That's exactly it. So uh, at, at its core, I, I just want to dispel the myth that anybody can do it. Uh, yeah, you're right. A, a designer can always do it better, faster, deeper than you can because it's what they've learned to do. However, in all of my workshops, I've reinforced the fact that no design skill is needed in order to be able to get most of the way down the field. So if my goal is to turn complex ideas, quantitative information, words into clear, compelling visual, I can get it almost to the finish line, if not to the finish line, uh, by simply using a few techniques that I love sharing and or uh, using a few tools that are out there. And they're ubiquitous. I mean, you've got mm -hmm. tools like Camtasia, you have Snagit, you've got tools like PowerPoint, you've got tools like Adobe Suite. Depending upon what my end user's needs are is dependent upon what tools I recommend to them to use. So that a little bit of knowledge, which hopefully we're going to talk about today, a few techniques coupled with those tools will pretty much overcome almost any hurdle. Awesome. Because I, I love that, right? Because I, I know with video in particular, it's, it's a lot of the same type of thing where, you know, you, you probably can't make a Hollywood film. That's very complex, but you can make a good, effective communication vehicle to, to deliver the message. So let's, let's, let's start high level and let's kind of dive in here because you said that, you know, like you don't need to know everything. You, you can get most of the way down the field. So where do we start? If I'm, if I'm let's say I'm new. And I have not dealt with kind of graphics in terms of having to build anything. I'm coming to maybe it's a training position or maybe I'm, uh, you know, in an organization. They're asking me to put a presentation together or something. Where do I start in terms of some of these skills or guidelines that I need to know 
to be successful? Because uh, I'm sure there's a million things you could teach us, but like high level, what's like, I don't want to say the most important thing, because I'm sure there's not one most important thing, but like, where, like you've got uh, five minutes with me. What guidance would you give me on the, on the, on a phone call? Well, I'm going to give you guidance that I wish was given to me when I started out. Uh, Number one, actually, by far, you said there's a lot of things. No, there's one thing. One thing that we need to understand is that we live in an at-a-glance society, that people no longer request that their information be clear and succinct and compelling. They require it, and they vote with their feet. Think about it. If you go to a website, you don't find what you're looking for very quickly, you typically just leave. The same is true for all forms of communication. We are, we are just inundated with constant content. And it, what we find is, is that if we are able to communicate more efficiently and effectively, uh, it helps people understand it, recall it, and adopt it, which is kind of the whole point of what we do. Understand, recall, and adopt. That's what we're about. So I say, hey, we live in an at-a-glance society. Uh, I, hopefully I get an agreement. Then I say the next thing is we need to understand how people process information at a very high level to understand how to communicate efficiently. Would you like me to share what that is, Matt? I mean, yes, because I, okay. you, I, I want to be able to understand, recall, and, and adopt whatever you're teaching me. So help me understand this. Brilliant. So at its core, there are two parts of the human brain. There's the intellectual geeky part. And then there's the emotional uh, uh, kind of automatic part of our brain. And the metaphor that has been used by a guy named John Haidt, H-A-I-D-T, who wrote a book called The Happiness Hypothesis, is the emotional part is kind of like an elephant. The, the automatic part of our brain is kind of like an elephant. And the intellectual part is kind of like a rider. And the rider's job is to keep the elephant going, but the elephant is in charge most of the time, large and in charge. And what science has proven and what most designers may be able to do but don't know how to articulate that that's how they do it is that we need to address both the elephant and the rider. In fact, we need to address the elephant first, then the rider when we're communicating things. And There's some cool techniques you can do to do that, but ignoring the fact that all decisions are made and hold on to your shorts, Matt, this is a big one. I'm holding. Okay, here they go. (laughs) All decisions are made emotionally and justified intellectually. All decisions are made emotionally. And that sounds like hockey puck. Wow, I got an earthquake over here. That sounds like (laughs) hockey puck. However, it's totally true. Been proven over and over and over and over and over again by Nobel Prize winning behavioral psychologists and uh, scientists and neurologists and things like that. So an understanding that we're human beings aren't robots, that we don't process information based on facts alone that aesthetics play a role, how we say things play a role, is the first, most fundamental, foundational part in order to create clear, compelling, any form of communication, but specifically visuals. Okay. We've got a lot of information here. I'm trying to parse it all out and trying to understand it all. Because there's a lot. Yes. Like i got an elephant, I've got a rider, and it matters. I make decisions emotionally. And then I um, also, I, my decisions are affected by the aesthetics. Is that right? Okay, so now that's great information. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think hopefully everybody else is with you. What do I do with it? Because <laughs> like it's great to know this, and and you know, but it's like oh gosh, now I got to make this presentation or something for my audience. So how do I like? Where do we go from here? From a very practical sense, because I love the, I love this idea, but then what do I do? Because 
it's one thing to, to understand those concepts, but the application is, is difficult. So Mike, you, you got a few more minutes with me. We got some time. Let's, let's dive in here. What you said, I think I heard you say you got to treat the elephant first, right? What does that mean in terms of when you start thinking about your visual design, whether it's uh, documentation, training, PowerPoint, you know, whatever you're trying to convey, maybe it's your website. I don't know. How do I, how do I help the elephant first? It's a great question, Matt. It's as if you, as if you've done this before. You're so awesome. So uh, the the once we agree to the foundational concept that elephant and rider is how the brain works, and we want to speak to the elephant first, then the rider. I recommend that the very first thing we do after we determine the goal. What's the goal of whatever we're trying to say? So the goal is is that people learn a new process or buy our product or whatever it is. So then we come up with a message. So the very first thing I need to do is what is that message? So I need to speak to the elephant first and the rider second. So I use an M&M approach, a motivator means approach. What do I mean by that? What I mean is first thing I do is I give an emotional motivator and then I give the means by which you will receive that motivator. So there's only three things that uh, motivate human beings. That's it. Pain, gain, or fear. I'm not a fan of pain. I'm not a fan of fear. I usually don't use that unless I have a recalcitrant or difficult audience. You know, the person that's on their cell phone that says, I don't want to pay attention. Then I say, hey, by the way, if you fail this test, you'll, you'll, you'll probably won't get your raise. Oh, now I'm going to pay attention. So let's go to uh, no pain, no fear. Let's go to gain. So I'm going to be looking at motivators, positive motivators. So I recommend that you pick up to three. Up to three motivators because sometimes you have a broad audience, meaning that sometimes you have um, some people who are tactical thinkers. They're the people that have to execute. Sometimes you have strategic thinkers. They're like your boss. Sometimes you have people that just aren't invested at all. Mm -hmm. So we want to create a motivator for each one of the types of audiences that we're speaking to. So, for example... Uh, Matt, if I wanted you to give me, my goal is for you to give me a virtual high five. So I would say, hey, Matt, I'll send you a gift certificate, a $10 gift certificate for Amazon if you give me a high five. Boom. Done. Exactly. I would have done it for free, but you know, whatever. (laughs) I figured. Motivator means, so motivate, first I have to give your elephant a reason to care. And then once the elephant hears something, that's reasonable, then it wakes up the rider. By the way, the rider's usually asleep. So the the brain, the body is set up, and, and you're gonna think, how does this got to do with art? Trust me. The um so the the body is um meant to conserve calories because if we have a if we burn too many calories, we would expire. That would be bad. So the rider actually burns more calories than the elephant. So for example, Matt, what is your favorite color? Uh, probably green. Green, brilliant. That's a great color. And uh, Matt, tell me if this is easy to answer. What's 672 times 4,837? Well, that, that would easy? be 10,009. No, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not even well, close. <laughs> that is an example of the first question I asked. I asked your elephant, what's your favorite color? It's a relatively automatic emotional response. I asked your elephant to wake up your rider and calculate something. It burns more calories. So recent findings, uh, and I cannot validate this. It's just aligns with what I've seen so far. So definitely do your own homework if you're listening in or watching us. The recent findings I've seen say that um, 
chess masters. So I'll ask this to Matt. Matt, chess masters. Normally a human being, when they burn calories, they burn anywhere between 1,800 and 2,200 calories in a day. That's just living yeah. and existing. Uh, an Olympic athlete might burn 6,000 to 8,000 calories a day. Somebody like Michael Phelps or something like that may burn that many calories in a day uh, training and doing what they do. So how many calories in a day do you think a chess master burns when they're in a chess tournament? Well, I mean, based on everything we've talked about, it's probably above that 2,200. Uh, so let's say 3,800. I don't know. I'm making a good guess here. Six to 8,000 calories in a day. Oh. So that means that when that chess master is using their uh, rider to figure things out, the analytical part of the brain, they are burning far more calories. In fact, science says that we have for every one conscious uh, rider thought we have, we have approximately one to eight million elephant thoughts. So for that reason, the, I want to appeal to the elephant first because the elephant can process information more efficiently, more effectively, and so forth. Yeah. So I'm always going to give up to three motivators to, to make everybody in the audience want to learn about my means. So I would say something like, uh, make your job easier, save time, and get a raise by using the new XYZ solution or by learning this new process. So here's my motivator, and here's the means by which you will get that motivator. Does okay. that make sense? It, it does. So, okay. I've got, qu I've got questions coming, but you know, yep. keep going, keep going. So it's still not art. So once I figure out what my message is, so here's the reason why, and I love the provocative title that you put on graphics that just don't work. The reason why graphics just don't work is, they're created, is because they're created by the author for the author. Mm. That most artwork is created for what I personally like and not what's going to appeal to my audience. So aesthetics aside, the number one way to fix that is to make sure that A, I have motivators for my target audience. And then B, is that I know what I want to say before I say it. Most of the times when we create content, aesthetics or graphics, we're kind of creating the graphic and then backwards engineering what the message is behind it. no. No, how can I create something for which I don't know what it's trying to communicate? So we need that North Star. We need that kind of adjudicator to help us pick a path forward. So once I know what my message is that's going to resonate with my target audience, then I can move forward with creating something of substance that will work versus something that I just like or my own personal biases dictate is good or bad. So, so let me ask you this, Mike, as I'm thinking about my, the motivators I'm going to put out there, I've got, you know, I'm going through the process thinking about the message. This is a great exercise to do, right? And I can see it working for not only images, but videos and like kind of all the things, right? When it comes to making that choice, I've got my motivator, I've got my message, and then I'm starting to choose. I'm assuming it's going to align to one of those, my image, visual, whatever that is, is going to align to one of those things, right? So if it's if it's, let's say you, you use the example of the Amazon gift card if I gave you a virtual five, high five, right? Very, a very simplistic example, but I imagine something, we'd, we'd probably choose something that would indicate that, right? An, an Amazon logo, ten, a $10 bill or something, right? Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So once you know what you're trying to say, it helps you pick the imagery. So if I said, if I wanted to graphically depict, um, uh, if you give me a high, if, if you give me or basically I'll give you a ten dollar Amazon gift card if you give me a high five the graphic almost creates itself mm -hmm. so obviously I have to show you getting a ten dollar gift card by giving me a high five 
So, so the high five equals Amazon gift card to you. I got my image. So once I figure out what my message is, it's kind of like an outline, a way for me to then create my, my graphics, my videos, my, my, my PowerPoint presentation, my learning materials. So uh, as an example, I might say, uh, let's say it's learning and development. And we want, we want people to get really good at entering data into a new database. So I would say, hey, make your job easier by doing these three things. Bless you. By doing these three things. And the three things are, and then they become part of my graphic. So what I would show is, let's say, three things. So maybe I use three gears, three metaphoric gears. Gotcha. And then I show that leading up to that, that make your job easier. So then, then, then I go, then my rest of my slides would be talking about gear one, gear two, and gear three. So now I've created this architecture that the elephant is motivated by and the rider can easily follow. It contextualizes all content that comes after it. Yeah, let's, uh, uh, I'm, we get questions occasionally from the audience, so we're going to pop in here. But before we do that, I want, we got a great one from Garth coming in. Uh, I want to ask you, so one of the things I've noticed about visuals that Sometimes people they go they get crazy with their visuals because PowerPoint. What we're gonna not the I, I don't want to be the guy that blames PowerPoint for everything, but sometimes PowerPoint enables some of these things. And you, you're talking about kind of this this framework with these gears, right? I've seen lots of interesting graphics that go off the rails. They go too big. They try to do too much. How, how how can we avoid making sure we're not being that person who does that with you know the built-in whatever or grabbing images that maybe aren't working well in this case. Cause I love the idea of like, if we're tying again to message and motivator, it seems like, yep, it should be a much, hopefully more clear what we should show. But I'm guessing sometimes it's like easy to, you just keep spi you spiral maybe too much. I don't know if that's a, way, a good way to describe it. What are, what are your thoughts, Mike? So the, the beauty of having the message as your North star, if it doesn't fit under that message, it doesn't go in. That's it. If you say, oh, but it needs to go in, then the message needs to adjust to accommodate that. And then we need to figure out where to bucketize that new content so that it fits in neatly under our, our, our message. So we have our motivator. We have our means. We have our motivator, up to three motivators. Uh, sometimes the motivator can be implied. Sometimes it can be applied. But you have the means, the means by which I will get that motivator. That becomes the mechanism by which we, we determine what goes in and what comes out of our graphics. Then once we do that, we wind up – the technique I like to use is imagine you're having a conversation with your target audience. Mm -hmm. So if I said to you, for example, hey, Matt, uh, uh, I'll make your job easier if you, if you, use, our new, uh, if you use our new Delta system. What might you ask me? What's the Delta system? Absolutely. So typically, the, if, if we set up our message as a motivator and means, an M&M, we're going to have two questions. What is your means and how will it give me those motivators? That becomes the content of our graphic. That becomes the content of our video, our presentation. We're answering what it is and how can I get those motivators. And that's it. What else do we need to put in there? Because if I said to you, the new Delta system is what... Uh, is what uh, Visual Lounge is going to be running on in the future, which isn't true. Making it up. Yep, we're making and, it. And uh, but, but but it's okay. 
And uh, it actually streamlines things because remember how you used to have to set up uh, the video ahead of time? Well, it's automatically set up. Remember how you had to uh, do press two buttons? Now you only have to press one button, so forth and so on. Gotcha. I love it. Yep. Love, love that it, it's all kind of streamlining and makes it uh, very simple, right? Yep. Like once you figure out those, I'm, I'm guessing there's lots of messages that are very complex and it takes time to get down to that simplicity because that's, you know, it, yes. oftentimes simple, simple things take a long time. Uh, it's much harder to be simple than it is to be verbose. That's why we have an hour long show. Let's, let's be clear. If I could, if we could do this in, in two minutes, it would take a lot longer than the hour. Yes. Um, let me, like I said, we like Mike. We like to bring in questions from the audience occasionally, and uh, of course, if anyone has questions, make sure you drop them in the chat. We've got Jesse's watching; she's always awesome to monitor for us. And if you got questions, you're listening to podcasts later on. Email us. Good chance we'll follow up and answer the question the best we can. Okay, here's a question from Garth. He says, "Is there a better graphics mode? Okay, graphic like so, cartoon versus picture." versus drawing, or is it situational? I, I see this sometimes myself, right? Like, should I be using uh, pho photography style, you know, whether it's stock or something I've shot myself, or should I be, you know, getting cartoons, or should I be doing, like, uh, drawing type things? W what, what are your thoughts, Mike? Uh, yes, it, it is situational. That's a great question. And uh, Matt, I'm going to throw you for a loop. Can I share something? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's figure we're, All right, let's do it. We're going to figure out all the things on the fly. So go ahead and yes, share your screen if, if you can. If this doesn't work, I'll jump back, okay? Yeah, I no could worries. completely mess up this whole thing. I apologize. All right, let's, let's see if I can share my screen. Fingers crossed. Fingers right. crossed. Let me all right, assign let me this know. to a, 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 a location here. Brilliant. Brilliant. There's, you can, everyone can see my, that screen. So let me just change. I got to make some changes on the fly. So why don't you set up what we're going to see here in just a second, Mike? Absolutely. So essentially what we're going to do is I'm going to give you the reason why you should pick one style over another, because there's so many different styles of communication or not styles of communication, aesthetic styles out there. And I'm going to simplify it just so that we can uh, make an objective decision whether one style is better than the other style. Because that's a big question that I frequently get from people is, you know, what 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 is going to be most effective for my target audience? And I'm about ready to give you or show you what, in my opinion, is, in fact, the best choice to move forward. I'm not saying it's always the case. I am saying that is a rule of thumb. Okay. Looks like we're good. We, we have uh, we have your screen because we can see the infinite loop of, of what's going through. But here we go. So we got a couple things seeing traditional and flat style. Absolutely. So I'm going to give you the elevator pitches to what I recommend and why. So back in the day, if someone could make something that was in the traditional style, they were considered the bee's knees. People said, whoa, how'd you make something that looks so photorealistic or 3D? That's called skeuomorphism. Basically, it means it looks like reality or similar to. And then came the advent of the smartphone. And the smartphone uh, squished down and made the user interface much smaller. So instead of having 30 or 40 pixels to communicate something like an icon, you now had eight pixels to do it. So if I were to shrink down a skeuomorphic or traditional style image or logo into my little tiny iPhone or Galaxy or whatever, it would look like a muddy mess. So we gave birth to something called the flat or simple style. Because now when I scale it, it's still going to look like what it's supposed to look like. But then in 2016, the Google said, you know what? 
We think that the flat style is awesome, but we also like some features of skeuomorphism. So they came up with something called the material style. The material style takes the best of traditional style, takes like three-dimensionality, but removes unnecessary graphic embellishment. Things like drop shadows, gradients, textures, all of that kind of goes away unless you absolutely need it and keeps things as simple as possible. So why am I telling you this? Because if someone, and this is a rule of thumb, it's not always true, if someone is over 40 years old, they grew up with associating the traditional style, skeuomorphism, with high-end design. If I have an audience who's under 40 years old, they typically grew up with the flat style being associated with innovative tools like the iPhone. But what happens if you have a much broader audience? You don't know how old the audience is. Science tells us that the material style will appeal to the greatest possible audience. So I can show you examples of those if you'd like to see them, Matt. Yeah, let's, let's take a look. All right. So here's an example of skeuomorphic design. We have a lot of aesthetic embellishment. Typically, if I show this to someone under 40, they may say, that's cool, but it seems like a little too much. We've got a lot of highlights and drop shadows and bevels and gradients and things like that. Whereas if I went with a flat design and I showed that to someone over 40, typically, not always, they would say, well, it doesn't really pop or I could have made that. So what we find is a skew, um, a more bleh, a material design is most appealing to the broadest possible audience, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Okay, I'm, I'm done sharing. You can stop sharing now. Yes. Yeah, well, that's, you know, it's interesting. Um, so I, I won't specifically call either of us out which category, but like, you know, I, I, I had my kind of emotional feelings for which one. Uh, but because I do work in the tech industry and I, I'm familiar with flat design, it's interesting material style, right? It's like that's kind of what I'm used to seeing uh, and working with. So let me ask you this because I think for our audience, and you're familiar with TechSmith tools, and so we're going we're gonna to have a very kind of – let's have a quick conversation, not about the products per se, but for, for like when we get into creating visuals, we look at things like screenshots, which uh, you know kind of – maybe isn't a design element. You're not designing gears or uh, iconography. You're, you're, you're taking something that is and showing. So when we, we start looking at this application here, how, how does it like our heuristics change or guidelines change when we're doing something like a screenshot? Because I'm guessing a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, who will watch this video or come across it will be like, but I'm not doing that. I'm not designing these things. I'm, I'm trying to build documentation or presentation that shows people how to use my software or to you do something in a piece of software, right? So what advice would you give to those folks? Uh, very simple, straightforward. You have three options when you are creating a graphic. You can either go with what I call, there's three methodologies, the literal method, and I think of it as the show me method. When you're describing something, that's when you show your screenshot. So if you're describing any functionality of a new tool, ease of use, you would show the screenshot, do a little word bubble or blow out and say, push this button and all these things happen and you can show subsequent screens. So that's when I would be doing a literal or a screenshot. It's the literal method when I'm describing something. Number two, if I'm sharing quantitative information, I'm going to use a quantitative chart. 
bar chart, area mm -hmm. chart, line chart, things like that. So if I'm showing numbers, amount, value, or time, I'm going to then switch over to something that's more Excel-based. And then the last methodology that I like to use is the substitution method. Uh, what is it? It's a visual metaphor, simile, or analogy that I use when my information is abstract or complex. So think of it as scientists do it all the time. They say um, the universe is expanding in all directions from the center. And the galaxies are getting further and further apart. So they may take a deflated balloon, put little pen marks on the balloon, and <laughs> blow it up. And yep. the dots get further apart as a metaphor to explain something that may be a little more abstract to understand. So that's it. Those are the three. Those are, that's, that's what it boils down to. There's a little more nuances in there, but uh, for the sake of this, that is really the rules of thumb that we want to go with. So there is a time and a place to use screenshots, and that's when we're literally describing something. Yeah, well, that's awesome. I love that. Again, I love the simplicity of it. Very applicable, very practical, and uh, you know, and even you know, you can can apply those in different different ways as as needed. Uh, I, I want to be careful here because I got some things that like take me down this very TechSmith track, and I want to be careful. But uh, I want to ask about uh, a term we use around here at TechSmith called simplified user interface, which it, uh, maybe you're familiar with. It's the idea of like you talked about the first one: show show what you're going to show, but it's kind of like a way of almost going to material style, right? Like saying like, well, here's your, your screenshot, but we're gonna remove all the, we're gonna basically flatten all the non-essential elements. And I'm curious if that has a play here, if people should be thinking about doing that type of stuff as they're showing uh, their, their graphics and elements. Absolutely, the only content that is germane to my message should be what's included. So aesthetically, if you have the ability, like Snagit does, to simplify UI elements that aren't relevant to your message, to your goal, then that's brilliant. By the way, Snagit is the only tool I have found to do a good job of that. I've used multiple, and Snagit does the best job of creating that kind of uh, simplified design or UI. It, it, it automates something that typically I used to have to hire a designer to do. Well, and thank you for that. We did not ask Mike to talk about that. That's uh, I'll send him his virtual high five <laughs> later. Uh, no, but thank you for that because you know it's it's interesting as I see designers and and I say designers in the broadest sense, instructional designers, you know, technical writers, and it's it's obviously you know there's so much information that they're cranking out and. It feels like also the benefit of this is, as well is just the time savings. It takes time to create, but then in the long run, from a translation standpoint, from a recreation, reuse standpoint, it just makes it. And you can really hone in on that message that you talked about, right? Like you're, as you said, just focus on the thing that really needs to be focused on. So that's awesome. Absolutely. We, do have, an, we have another question. And since we're talking about kind of material designs, I want to put it into relevance here. Uh, Angie's asking, any tips for creating uh, material design graphics? You know, the shape properties you might select, such as shadows, outlines. You know, the things that you said, if we're gonna, if you're gonna go down the path of creating that, how do you do that? Because, you know, <laughs> where do you start? Like, yep. hire a graphic designer? <laughs> that doesn't, not, uh, well, not, uh, yeah. not an option for me. <laughs> I know, yeah, the, 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 of course, I always wanna say this, uh, a graphic, uh, a trained graphic designer is always going to do it better, faster, cheaper. Welcome to the real world where you don't always have that option. So one of the things that I, you have two choices, build it or buy it. That's it. When I say buy it, I don't mean that you have to actually pay for it, but you have to acquire it. Most mm -hmm. of the time you get what you pay for. In my experience, if something's free, it's usually worth free. 
Usually, not always. There's an exception to every rule. But for the most part in life, I found that to be true. And that's true with our graphics tools as well. So build it or buy it. So as far as how do you do it? Well, if you're going to build it, there are some functions or features in things like Adobe Illustrator, which you don't have. But you have PowerPoint. And there are things that you can do in PowerPoint to build almost anything. And Matt, I don't know if you're going to share my email, but if you email me, I will send you step-by-step instructions on how I make these amazing graphics in PowerPoint. But it's very simple in the sense that once you know about the existence of this one tool in PowerPoint, you'll say, shut the front door. This is absolutely amazing. Um, I didn't know this existed. And it's called merge or combine shapes, depending upon what version of PowerPoint you're using. You can use basic shapes to make anything that you want. And then the other thing that you want to keep in mind when you're building it from scratch is KISS. Keep it simple, silly. So the goal is to remove any aesthetic embellishment that we don't need because someone says, well, it doesn't look cool. Well, it doesn't matter if you think it looks cool or not. What matters is, will it resonate with the audience? And if you have a great message, an okay-looking graphic is going to be uh, um, buoyed by that, that clear, compelling message. So my recommendation is for a non-designer is to keep it simple, silly, use the basic tools that you have. Once you learn holy, holy free holies, I didn't know this was possible. When it comes to buying it, there are places I like to go, pexels.com, pixabay.com. I personally use buildagraphic.com, but I have a horse in that race. Those are the tools that I use most. I love the nounproject.com. That's another one. And of course, of course, the TechSmith tools, of course. Awesome. So, Mike, yep. you mentioned your email. We, we did drop a link. Uh, people can get on your mailing list. I don't know if you want to give out your email uh, here for everybody, but if you do, where would sure. they, how would they connect with you for, for that? Uh, just go to Mike at BillionDollarGraphics.com. Perfect. What a, Easy. Boast, what a boastful name for a, for a company, <laughs> Billion Dollar Graphics. <laughs> That's great. I mean, why not, right? Like, it's, you've got yeah. a lot of great stuff. I mean, to be fair, I have a list of questions we haven't even touched, and we're getting we're getting short on time. But I do want to I do want to talk about one thing. I think that's important to our audience. And uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the graphics and designing those graphics. Like, how do you get to what you use? We haven't talked about animations at all, and I'm curious because. I think in this world that we live in, animations are becoming more prevalent. We see, you know, we've seen the return. It's, and I don't know where it's at now and if we had to categorize it, but the animated GIF used to be the simple, crazy, dumb thing on the internet that it kind of died almost. And it, now it's like, it is a thing that gets shared, at least in our workplace Slack, like a thousand times a day, there's an animated GIF. Animated GIFs. Um, and there's lots of other ways to animate things. So I'm curious, what role does motion play in in your whole process? You know, means motivation and what's the other what's the other M? Means motivation oh, and oh, just M and M, motivator and means. That's motivator it. Motivator and means. That's okay, all perfect. It's all I need. Yep. So, what do we? Where do we place it? Uh, animation is only used if it's necessary to help make the uh, delivery of this information more clear and compelling. Otherwise, it's dancing baloney. That if I have to hide behind, and not that I don't love baloney, but if I have to hide behind animation because my message is weak, then that's a problem. However, if I'm presenting a large portion of information, I may want to have it build or animate the build, Mm -hmm. or perhaps there is a, I want to, so there's only three reasons to ever have a graphic. That's it, period. One of those three reasons is to elicit a very specific emotional response. And sometimes the most efficient way to do that is to show a clip, video, GIF, or animation, because that is the most efficient way to show, let's say if I want to show 
uh, a change in emotion. Maybe I went from happy to sad. I'd want to see that change. And that would be more indicative of the emotion or the feeling that I want to, I want, I want the audience to empathize with. Do you want to know the other two reasons to have a graphic? I didn't think to share that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got, we got emotion, emotion, right? I want to listen. Yes, that's it. Okay. I want to, I listed a very specific emotional response. Uh, number two is it's too complex to understand textually. Think about TechSmith's uh, uh, or, or some of TechSmith's clients' organization structures. Mm-hmm. Imagine trying to explain that textually. Hockey puck, I'm going to show it as an org chart. And the third thing is it's a critical success factor that if the audience misses or misunderstands this, we will fail at our mission. Okay. So, okay, let's say – you, you're compelling, your three compelling reasons, and you're like, I still need to do something. Do I just put text? Do I just use text? Oh. Or what, what do I do then? Yeah, yeah. If, if, if essentially it's not too complex to understand textually, or it's not a critical success factor, and I'll, I can unpack that if we have time, but if not, no worries. And uh, text can elicit an emotional response. It just requires our human brain to decode it linearly first. Whereas graphics are taken in all at once. When we look at something, we go, I like it or I don't like it because the brain can process it faster. Whereas the writer is, is required to help us read a little bit. So we have to decode it. So if so, there are times, a lot of times when someone says, um, do you want to know the three, do you want to know the, the three things you need to do to become a great father? It's to, or what the, the three meanings of life, to live, to love and leave a legacy. I don't need you to draw me a picture of that. So if, it, if, it's, if it's not too complex to understand textually, I'm just going to use some text. That's it. It's all good. Yeah. Well, I, I, we've never had such a strong advocate for text on the, on the visual lounge, Mike. No, no. Sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm, 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 I'm kidding. No, it makes sense though, right? Because it, like if you're trying to get through something, you're trying to, you don't need a visual to process it. it like purposes of uh, life make that those things make sense and probably even what would you convey in in, the, in those situations that would actually mean the same thing to the audience right like you leave right. a lot of interpretation if uh, you had some kind of crazy image for leaving a legacy well maybe there's uh, but i don't think there's a universal image for that or a universal thing that i think of for that right no in fact um i'm a big fan of always using text in our visuals for the most part because text without graphics or I should say graphics without text the information might be lost to ambiguity think about putting together Ikea furniture not that I don't love Ikea I love Ikea but sometimes they want to be language agnostic and I wind up having to put my furniture together take it back apart again and put it together again because they tried to make make it you know so they didn't have to print the, the, the words whereas if we just have a sea of text my information may be lost because I'm not likely to read through everything. So there's a balance between the two. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm a big fan of, uh, uh, when it comes to presentations at least, less is more when it comes to text and just have lots more slides. If you, yes. if it's, I hit about five, if I hit five words, I'm like, how do I shorten this? Because it's too much text. Uh, get it down and just do another slide. So, yep. Yeah. All right. We've talked. About, we've covered a ton, Mike, and 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 frankly, I'm gonna have to go back and watch because it's hard to take notes and and like to process everything as I'm listening and thinking about what we're what we're talking about. Uh, but as we wrap up, and we're we're gonna go into our speed round questions here in just a minute. 
what is the last piece of advice that you would give us at this point that you haven't had a chance to tell us about using graphics uh, for whatever purpose we might use them for? Is there oh, anything? Well, I, I'm going to hammer home this something I already said. Elephant Perfect. first, rider second. That is the secret to all forms of compelling communication. Make sure we appeal to the elephant, the emotional part of the brain first, then the rider. All right. Let's everybody get that, that rider ready to go with, because I'm guessing if you don't control the elephant, he's doing, the elephant's doing whatever he wants and she wants. Yes. And the rider, yep. it doesn't matter. Can't get the, it can't get the elephant under control. Well, this nope. has been awesome. This has been awesome. But we, we've warned you about speed round questions. I think I warned you about speed round. I hope I warned you about speed round questions. Here's what we're going to do, Mike. We're going to play a quick stinger. It's going to bring us in, and we're going to go through these questions that are meant to be fast, quick answers. Uh, and we're going to have a little fun with it, and then we'll wrap things up for today. So here we go with our speed round. All right, Mike. Speed round questions, quick, easy answers. What is the craziest graphic request that you had to or should have talked the requester out of making? Like they wanted something uh, just super crazy. What if you could tell us? Uh, they said they wanted a new symbol for innovation. I said uh, use something that everybody already knows, and they said don't do it. And I said, well, what do you want? And they said you're the designer. You figure it out. So we went to the Google. We looked it up, and I said to the author, you pick. They picked a rabbit coming out of a hat. I tried to talk him out of it, didn't work. <laughs> I love it, a rabbit out of a hat for innovation. Okay, well, lesson learned. Next question, if you had to pick a graphic that represents you, what would it be? Oh my gosh, uh, brrr, I would have to say a spiral graphic. All these things coming together to form me. Awesome, I love it. Okay, next question, where do you turn for inspiration? You're, as, as a designer, as someone who's working with visuals all the time, how do you make sure you're filling that well of inspiration and, and being able to be creative in the processes that you use? I am constantly looking at stuff on YouTube about design trends. I'm going to Bing and Google and looking up uh, cool PowerPoint, cool videos, and being inspired by the things that amazing designers, so many out there create. Okay, we've got, we've got one more question, which I, I think everyone has told me is the hardest question we ask in speed round questions. But before we do that, before we ask you that question, if someone's interested in learning more, finding more about your stuff, the work that you do, connecting with you, where should they go and look? Uh, just go to billiondollargraphics.com and uh, I have some stuff on YouTube. Look out for Mike Parkinson. There are, there's another famous Mike Parkinson. He was in Great Britain. He was a great talk show host and so forth. So I'm not that person and you can tell at first glance. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Everybody go check out Mike's stuff. Okay, our last speed round question. What's a question you'd like to ask me? Oh, uh, where do you get your cool t-shirts? Uh, well, TechSmith, obviously. Uh, I, I don't know where we get these made, but we, we had someone, but I, we actually, this is one of my favorites. We, we do a lot of, we've done a lot of t-shirts over my time at TechSmith. Uh, this is one of my favorites though, just because this is, uh, this is actually a company shirt. Like it's got our cultural values and it's super soft, which I appreciate a good t-shirt that is soft. And uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know where we get them. I'm sure someone else smarter than me can tell you. They just, they just gave it to me and I wear it. I, I think basically <laughs> what I'm asking is, can I get a free t-shirt? But I didn't want to come out and say it. No, well, honestly, well, well. Uh, no, stop, 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 no. stop. No, your t-shirts are always awesome. 
No, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I've heard some rumblings that some people would love to get shirts. We Unfortunately, we don't have a... The pandemic is a weird world we live in, supply chains. Um, and so maybe someday we'll have swag that we could sell on our store. I don't know if we'll ever do that. But, Mike, we'll see if we can hook, hook you up with something if, if the time okay. comes. Maybe we'll see at a, a future event here. Uh, we'll run into each other. We'll have a drink. So with that said, Mike, thank you so much for all the wisdom that you share. What a great amount. Like, I feel like there's so much to unpack. We might have to do this again at some point because I feel like I scratched the surface today and I'd love to dig deeper. Uh, but thank you so much for joining with us. Thank you very much. And thanks for everyone for making time. Yeah. All right, everybody, go check out Billion Dollar Graphics. Go find Mike's stuff. Go learn about making better images because we are at the Visual Lounge. And it is, of course, something we want everyone to do is to take their level wherever they're at and get better at it. Don't forget, you can like, subscribe and, you know, do all that good stuff that helps us. And if you didn't notice, we have a new YouTube channel for TechSmith called It's the Visual Lounge. It's still early. So go out and subscribe. That helps us to be able to get our, once we get that thousand subscribers, the URL will be infinitely easier. But we want you to, we're going to, the show's moving over there to, so we can, you know, make sure that you can find all the great stuff that comes out of the show in one spot and not have to go through all the other content. Of course, we recommend all the other content too, but go check it out. So we'll drop the links in the show notes as well as in the chat here. With that said, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we hope that you take a little time this week to level up and get better at whether you're making videos or images. And we will see you guys all next week. Mm -hmm.